Welcome to Not Your Father's Data Center Podcast, brought to you by Compass Data Centers. We build for what's next. Now here's your host, Raymond Hawkins. Welcome again to another edition of Not Your Father's Data Center. Today we have uh, Hane Strader, uh, Vice President of Data Center Solutions with CBRE out of Dallas, Texas. Haynes, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for joining us. Guys, um, if you if you will, Haynes, can you give us a little bit of background? Uh, I know you and I uh, both seem to uh, got, get in this business about the same time, a little over five years ago, and have had similar parallel paths in the industry. And would love to get a little bit of your background, a little bit of your history, and then we'll get into CBRE and some markets and what you're seeing out there. Absolutely. Yeah, Raymond, I think we sat down probably, I don't know, maybe a month after I started at CBRE at Kubi's uh, you know, for some breakfast. But um, I've been with CB for uh, six years now, five years, we're really five and a half doing data centers only. Um, CBRE's world's largest uh, brokerage firm. But prior to that, I was a, I went to SMU and then I was a teacher for a couple of years and uh, did a year of uh, IT outsourcing consulting um, before, I, before I moved over to real estate. And uh, as I got into the real estate industry, I think I saw an opportunity to uh, get into something that was a little more entrepreneurial within a big company, and uh, that was the data center uh, group. And I've got two great partners, Brant Burnett and Chris Herman, that uh, have been uh, with me from the from the start and have uh, really helped me uh, get to where I am now. And and we actually just brought on a, a, a fourth partner, uh, Mikey Gillette, uh, which we're really excited about. So. Um, we're, we're growing. The, the practice is growing. And uh, all we do are, are data center transactions all around the country. So whether that's representing tenants that are leasing space or representing owners of data centers that are selling uh, their buildings, disposing of those assets, end users often uh, that have assets that they're either fully occupying or partially occupying and trying to dispose of those assets. And then uh, also site selection. So helping companies find and buy land or buildings uh, to uh, uh, build out uh, data centers. So we do that all over the world. Uh, most of what my team does is in the United States, but we're active in a few markets outside of the United States. And uh, our overall practice with CB is about 100 brokers uh, globally. Um, and here in the U.S., it's, it's about it's about 30 of us uh, really focused on on U.S. transactions. So it's been a really fun business. Uh, it's a it's a very small world, and uh, it's been you know the first few years we're definitely drinking out of the fire hose, but I think that's Kind of the cool thing about this business is as our uh, world changes and IT changes and infrastructure changes, um, we have to keep up. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's unique to data centers in a way uh, in the sense that uh, a lot can happen in, in a 12 to 18 month period. Um, you know, in office and industrial and retail, you see these shifts over and they're kind of like tectonic plates. You see, you see the shifts happening, you know, in live, live time, but it, it, it can take years and years and years. And then obviously it can all be thrown into disarray by something like COVID. So, um, you know, it's been an interesting time to be in real estate. Uh, I think the the uh, the nice thing is we've we've the data center sector has um, survived, if not flourished, uh, during this this most recent kind of crisis. And uh, it's been it's been an, an interesting start to to my career. Thanks for the background. I will ask you to expand a little bit on the teaching just for a minute because I think what you did teaching was is pretty fascinating stuff. One quick question. What does it say about the state of our industry that the two SMU guys uh, ended up hiring an Aggie? Is that is that a 
Is that any indication of trouble ahead, or should we be excited about Mikey, Mikey joining the team? No, that's that's a good point. Uh, he, he is. He, that was a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of concern at first, but no. He, uh, Mikey, was the student body president of A and M, uh, and really, really sharp young guy uh, that we're very excited to have on board. But uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's safe to cover your bases. We've got uh, Brant's kids. Uh, our UT and Texas Tech, and uh, Chris is uh, uh, University of North Texas, and we've got uh, Mikey from AM and and me from and Brent from SMU. So I think we've got all the all the if majors. Get, if you can get a Red Raider on the team, you'll have it all all rounded out. That's good. That's get right. Out there a Red Raider Texas. and a Horn Frog. That's exactly right. <laughs> all good. Well, I appreciate that. And I've had a chance to meet uh, Mikey, and seems like a sharp young man, and excited to have him on the team. But do, do want to give the Aggies a. Uh, a kick in the gut any chance I can. So, <laughs> No, that's great. great. Haynes, do you mind going back just a little bit? I know because uh, you and I have known each other for, for so long. Uh, the, the Teach for America piece, I just think it's fascinating. I think it's part of your backstory. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, would you take just take two minutes? Um, I, I know you and I get to talk a lot. I, I love the story you told me the other day about how um, that, that, that last group of kids is all graduated and how you still take touch with them. I, I know it's not data center stuff, but I think it's part of the color of what a great guy you are. Could you give us two minutes on that and we'll dig into the data center stuff? Sure. Yeah. So I, you know, I was, I have awesome parents, uh, that, that were very supportive of me going to SMU and I, I you know, I was able to graduate without any debt and uh, I had an opportunity to go teach, uh, for a couple of years through a program called Teach for America, which, basically recruits uh, people that traditionally would not have gone into the education sector and places them in Title I, which are the highest need uh, public schools around the country. In Dallas, it's been a very, very successful program. It's, it's one of the most successful markets uh, in the United States for Teach for America. And uh, so I was recruited out of SMU to do that. Uh, I was very fortunate to get placed in Dallas, uh, which was is, is not common uh, to get to stay kind of in, in your home turf. And uh, I, I taught in Arlington. I taught sixth grade English in a charter school uh, that was part of the Uplift Charter Network, which is a really cool uh, group of charter schools in, in, in North Texas. And uh, taught sixth grade English at Summit in Arlington with uh, about 130 kids a day. And uh, oh wow, I, I literally remember Googling what an adverb was on my first day. It, you know, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, it, it, I think I went in with really high hopes of you know I was going to fix education and I was going to change America and all this stuff. And it took about 10 minutes of 12 year olds uh, beating the tar out of me to, to figure out quickly that they were going to change me more than I was going to change them. And uh, it, it really was a, a remarkable experience for me. And I think it helped me grasp a little more of reality. And um, I, I've stayed very close with a number of my students, uh, all of whom have now uh, graduated from high school, which is a big part of Uplift is they, everybody graduates. So uh, that's been exciting, uh, helping some of them get jobs, helping some of them deal with other things in their lives and seeing seeing them flourish and uh, that's it's a it's a neat program if you have an opportunity to research it a little bit uh, it's been it's been really successful in Texas it's successful around the country but I was I was fortunate to have that opportunity. Well, pretty cool stuff. First of all, for your thank you for being willing to to serve and and, and work in that way and to serve our community and. Um, Bring that the, the education experience you got at SMU to to students. Just think that's really really awesome. And then that perspective when you come to the business world, right? I think that um, understanding how tough it is to be a school teacher and, and what what they go through, and you know having a room full of uh, you don't know what sixth grade is, twelve or thirteen year olds, something like that. Uh, that's that, right. that can yeah. humble you pretty quick. 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of prepubescent angst going on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still not sure. I, I wrote it down. I'll look up what an adverb is after we yeah, talk today because yeah. I'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure myself. So, good stuff, Haynes. Thank you for that. Well, Haynes, I know um, when we when we we get to spend time together, we we talk a lot about. Um, uh, the industry and about the markets and really our idea here is is just like anybody that would go eat lunch or dinner with you and I that they would get to listen in on what we would talk about so lo- love to talk through um, I know you're here and you talked about there's a, about a hundred guys globally in the data center business but would love to talk about um, I think Lots of people talk about Northern Virginia. Lots of people talk about Northern California. Uh, would love to get your take on a few other markets, maybe uh, Texas specifically. I think there's lots happening here uh, right now. Um, maybe a little bit around uh, Phoenix, Chicago, maybe Denver. Talk about some markets that are closer to us and that, that you hear and what you guys see in those places and um, use that maybe as a, as a place to kick off. Yeah, that's great. Yes, yeah, so we we track the market really, really closely. And um I'll talk about kind of center of the country, you know, like, like you mentioned. Um, but, you know, I think if uh, those listening ever, ever want a more specific market update, we can, we can always jump in. Um, so it's been a really uh, exciting uh, 2020. Uh, it's been a crazy 2020 and, and obviously a challenging one for many of our clients and, and families and friends. But uh, from a data center perspective, uh, the COVID-19 crisis, I think, created a real sense of urgency uh, for digital transformation for a lot of enterprises. And that has uh, kickstarted a lot of projects in cloud. I think you basically have three years of uh, IT planning, you know, planned transformation happened in about three months for, for a lot of big companies. And that quickly uh, turned up cloud demand. It, it quickly turned up uh, expansions for certain companies. It certainly, for, for others, you know, retail, hospitality, uh, travel, uh, you know, different different issues. But uh, for a lot of technology services, financial services, uh, the move to digital infrastructure uh, and the expansion of their current digital infrastructure has been felt. Um, and in Texas, there, that's no exception. So uh, I'll start in Dallas and, and kind of move south. Dallas had a very sleepy year uh, in, in 2019. We, we ended up with about 27 megawatts of net absorption, which is, uh, or sorry, 25.8 megs of net absorption, which is as slow of a year as we have had since 2014. Uh, it was normally we, we're tracking about 40 to 45 megawatts of absorption a year. And so Dallas also has an, an abundance of data center supply. There's about 60 megawatts of turnkey capacity sitting ready to go in Dallas today. And, uh, un, you know, unfortunately, uh, the lack of activity in 2019 has really been difficult for many providers and it's driven down pricing substantially and especially for stuff that was built three, four, five years ago at uh, higher, you know, per megawatt build costs, uh, that's getting harder and harder to sell. The, the good thing for Dallas is we saw about 11 and a half megs of net absorption just in the first quarter, and we anticipate the second quarter is going to look pretty similar. That's that's a really good uh, kickback into activity. And, and we're also seeing several cloud providers circling the market, uh, both from a colo and, and development standpoint. Um, obviously, there's uh, a large uh, cloud provider developing in South Dallas, but there's a number of others that are uh, actively in this market, which has been good. As you move down to uh, Austin and San Antonio, um, you know Austin is is experiencing a, a tremendous amount of uh, office growth and residential growth as uh, companies are moving uh, large amounts of their workforces out of and Dallas is too, but. 
Austin, I think, is, is gets a lot more of the, the media attention around it. But big, you know, big name tech companies coming from California and, and coming to Austin with with their workforces, um, and that a lot of those companies bring along with them uh, data center capacity. Um, so Austin has had historically four to five megs a year of absorption, and in 2019 they had 12.6 megs. Um, and that this includes San Antonio, by the way, which which is also a very large market for uh, two two different cloud providers. But so far, we've seen about a meg and a half for Austin proper, and uh, another four megs in San Antonio, so five and a half megs already uh, this year, which is again, you know, a strong start uh, for that market. So um, that's that's exciting again, and, and I think we're seeing capacity supply in Austin is is very very limited less than five megawatts available uh, across Austin and San Antonio today. Um, so trying to find new capacity is very challenging in Austin. Uh, there's there's not uh, an abundance of available infrastructure in, in Austin proper. As you go outside of Austin, LCRA service area, uh, and, and as you go south into, into San Antonio, there's, there's quite a bit of opportunity, but uh, there has not been as much speculative development. So I think we'll see Power pricing is a little bit higher, but just given uh, everything that's going on in Austin, I think we're going to see continued growth in that market. And uh, you may have seen this morning, uh, it was announced that, that Tesla uh, has acquired land for a planned uh, gigafactory for their Cybertruck and model, I think it's a Model Y, uh, that's going to go into, into that market. And it's not it's not Austin proper, it's a little bit uh, east of Austin, but you know that's really exciting. And you look at what happened in Reno after they uh, developed their plant there. Uh, and just the amount of really cool tech development and subsequent data center development that happened because of the infrastructure there. I think there's I think there's a, a very similar opportunity for the overall Austin San Antonio market. Um, so it, that's an exciting exciting development in my mind from from our perspective. As you go south to Houston, we've seen uh, a, a relative slowdown just due to oil and gas, and uh, I think there there's has not been as much activity. We're, we're tracking about 500 kW of uh, total activity for, for uh, this year. Last year, uh, they had a, a big deal that was uh, 15 megawatts uh, that really drove most of the absorption in that market. And I think there are one or two big deals circling that may land this year, may land next year, but uh, the, there's not an abundance of activity in that market. So, you know, we'll see what happens in Houston. I think the, uh, obviously, what's going on in the oil and gas sector is going to have a big impact and whether they go to cloud or whether they build their own cloud and, you know, whether they're leveraging services like Doug and Triton and other, uh, you know, services that, that do kind of these uh, oil and gas focused cloud services versus the big public guys will be interesting. So, um, you know, we're, we're monitoring that closely and, um, you know, Houston obviously that has some hazard risk challenges associated with, Hurricanes, but uh, most of the data centers have have, have not only survived, but are, are really designed to weather those storms well, um, which we've seen. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in Houston. It's obviously, a, it's also a burgeoning, growing office market. This economic slowdown has certainly impacted that market more, more substantially, I think, in some ways from a data center perspective. Yeah. Do you want to give two minutes on San Antonio? Um, numbers I mentioned for Austin uh, include San Antonio. Include San Antonio. What, okay. Yeah, um, what's going on in San Antonio is really Westover Hills. That area is um, getting pretty close to being maxed out as far as just available land uh, for development for data center. And we're seeing uh, a push kind of southwest uh, towards one of the major cloud providers uh, developments out there. Um, but I do think we're going to continue to see interest in that market. I just 
I don't know that we're going to see a lot of speculative build out there because I, I think it's very uh, driven by two companies basically that are that are that are the end users in that market. Yep, understand. And 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 Austin and San Antonio being so close, I could see even um, uh, those those markets m- merging or being seen almost as one because they're uh, geographically pretty close. Exactly. All right, what do you guys see out in Phoenix? So Phoenix uh, has also, you know, I think I personally, and uh, this isn't, uh, you know, CBRE's official opinion or anything, but I've been concerned about Phoenix because there's been so much new supply and planned supply running to that market. Uh, it had a very big, uh, I think they had almost 60 megawatts in 2018 of absorption, and then about 35, 33 megawatts in uh, 2019 of absorption. So two, you know, standout years for a market that historically had not had those kinds of numbers. Um, and then we've seen 25 megawatts of capacity kind of built out over the last uh, 18 months and several providers, in- including Compass, uh, acquiring large land sites in that market in Goodyear to develop, you know, massive campuses. And I think I've kind of viewed that similar to Dallas where um, you just had, we had some big years and there was a, a rush of suppliers to the market that I think has created a, a little bit of an oversupply situation in our market. Um, but the reality is demand continues to be strong. And I think there is so much um, pressure to get out of some of the Californian markets with new expansion, a lot of which has gone to uh, Nevada. Uh, and I think a lot of that's now getting directed both to Nevada and, and to, to Arizona. Uh, before it kind of gets to Texas. So um, I think we're seeing, we've seen nine megs of uh, absorption here in, in, the, in the first half of the year. There may be one or two more that I'm missing there. We haven't done our final tally for, for the first half of the year, but that's a really solid uh, start. And I think, uh, you know, that it will we'll probably end up again, close to a high 20s, low 30s kind of year in Phoenix, which um, I think supports the current market narrative as long as too much speculative supply isn't built. And I think long term, uh, you know, there's there's some really good opportunities in that market. Uh, they have a they have a great incentives uh, package uh, in in Arizona and, and specifically in the Phoenix area uh, for data centers. And, and I think you know you, the largest users in the market are very savvy on how to take advantage of those programs. And uh, it's a little more tenant friendly than than the Texas incentives, um, and it's. Uh, now very similar to what's offered in Chicago uh, or, or in Illinois. So I, I think we're going to see more uh, activity in Phoenix. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I was my earlier uh, hesitance on that market was wrong, um, but it's really up to a couple of the big end users, most of whom are based in California, to decide uh, whether Arizona is the, the market they want to expand in or whether that's going to get more spread out. We certainly agree with you that uh, there's just people – um, working hard to get out of the California data center business. And um, Phoenix has been a, a, a place for that gravity to begin to pull. I think it'll it'll get bigger out there as well. Uh, we, we would agree with you, much like the comments around uh, one or two big suppliers in Austin or one or two big uh, or, uh, users in Austin or in San Antonio. I think you'll see very similar things happen in Phoenix. One or two big users will end up drawing other data center activity out there because of the infrastructure that gets developed. Yeah, yeah, the infrastructure is great and and the power availability there is good, but there's also a ton of renewables. Have you, have you all interacted with that much? Yeah, yeah. We're doing good in the renewable front out there as well. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important for certain users. You know, we're seeing, we have lots of clients that, that care about, uh, you know, having green energy and all of that, but 
when it gets down to the bottom line, only a handful are willing to pay for the difference. And I think uh, what we're seeing in, in markets like Arizona is renewable energy is actually almost almost price comparable to non-renewable uh, at scale. Just about at parity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just about at parity. Yeah. Well, let's take a minute and talk about Denver, if you don't mind. Yeah. So Denver, um, this is public, but we were we helped a, a very one of the largest banks in, in the world source a couple sites there to do their enterprise data center, next-gen data centers. And um, those will be two of the biggest data centers in that market, all owned by a, an end user. The colo market, you know, it's a traditionally a retail colo market, but the, the reality is there's quite a bit of supply. It's about 25% uh, vacant in that market right now with, with 22 megs. So um, there's a fair amount of supply spread around the market, but it's in little chunks. It's not five, six, seven megs sitting in any one building that's that's built out. And so it remains a uh, mostly retail market. And I think that's allowed for some price protection uh, in that market. We saw about 400 KW of absorption in 2019. Um, I think uh, there's a chance for that to be a little bigger in, in 2020. But to date, uh, activity has been pretty slow. I think, I think it's about 200 KW to date that we've, we've been able to track. But um, you know what's cool about the Denver market is the connectivity. It, it, there's just fantastic uh, fiber connectivity uh, and really low latency between both the East and the West Coast. And I think uh, you know everything else that's going on in Denver. Again, it's it's a burgeoning uh, office and residential market. Obviously, has a great work-life balance, play uh, atmosphere. Uh, High quality being, of life market, yeah, that's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Being able to hop on the train or, or hop in your car, get out to a mountain and ski in the winter and hike in the summer is, is pretty sweet. And uh, I think we're seeing, you know, I, I think, frankly, I, and I'm, uh, no no official comment from CB on, on what's going to happen to office. But I think as we see the companies that can justify remote work and, and employees that, that like it are going to be seeking out those markets probably more actively than they have in the past. Um, just because that work-life balance is so important for, for you know, lots of people. So uh, we'll see. But but from a data center perspective, we just haven't seen any any major end users do super large deployments that they haven't owned. So there's actually a, a number of owned uh, large enterprise data centers in that market, um, but very few of those have gone to Colo. And we haven't really seen substantial developments from the public REITs in that market. Uh, Flexential is probably the largest provider uh, and they're private, obviously, uh, in that market, and they've done very, very well. Um, and I and I think for the most part, everybody in that market, uh, Sixterra, Equinix, Flexential, CoreSight, um, have done have done well and and have great assets. So, um, you know, I, it's it's more of a matter of, of I think patience and and catching up. Uh, you know, it would surprise me if three or four years from now we're talking about Denver like we're talking about Phoenix, but I, I just don't think we're there yet. Yeah, I think you can see uh, just quality of life and connectivity. Uh, I think you'll see both of those things help that market continue to grow. I think we'd see that world the same way as you guys do. Haynes, uh, th that's super uh, great insight and depth around markets. This is the kind of advice uh, folks can get if they reach out to our friends at CBRE. I'd love it if you, uh, you know, no, no customer names and no proprietary information, but do you mind telling us one or two, you know, customer stories or client stories? W what's, a, what's a client who comes to CBRE? Where are they at? What are they struggling with? What questions are they asking? And how are you guys helping guide them? I'd love to t take me through a client journey with you guys. Uh, and, and again, no, no I don't, not looking for any proprietary or customer info, but just a, a day in the life of a CBRE uh, data center client. What I what I love about our business is every client is very different and has uh, very different requirements, and often are in very different stages of their um, you know technology journey and, and digital infrastructure journey. And so we have 
um, clients that are extremely sophisticated and throw us a playbook of here's exactly what you want. We want you to do. Tell us what the options are and go go fill our requirement. Um, those deals are are usually larger and with with well known companies that that you would be familiar with. Um, and 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 we love getting those deals. But um, the reality is this: in those instances, we're really just brokers. We're we're going out and negotiating the best best possible pricing, best possible terms, making sure we're seeing all the options in the market. Um, I think the the deals that you know where we where we add a ton of value, and when we add a lot of value in, in those deals, but uh, it's just a, it's more of we're allowing our client to do what they do best, and we're doing what we do best, um, which is which is to be the broker and and to go uh, actually you know run the site selection process where we can add a lot of value with with certain clients, and we we just did this with uh, one of the, the country's largest healthcare providers uh, in in Texas. One of the, one of the country's largest healthcare providers, but the the site they selected was in Texas. Um, they had 33 basically data centers, uh, most of which were sitting in hospitals uh, around the country, and, and they had four primary hubs. And the goal was to consolidate uh, those 33 sites. They were spending, you know, as you know, uh, whether you're running a three megawatt data center or a 500 kW uh, data center, you, you still need basically the same amount of employees to manage uh, each of those sites. And uh, there's obviously a lot of uh, redundancy issues and, and capital uh, investment required with with maintaining those environments, and so doing that, you know, 33 times over is uh, extremely expensive. And what we helped them do is kind of walk through uh, what assets were core to their business and needed to be moved. And 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 their IT group was very very sharp. And and the reason this was so spread out is they had acquired. It, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions that had gone on. So. Um, they had acquired most of these hospitals and they were dealing with legacy infrastructure that other IT organizations had put together and their goal is to really streamline it and save costs. Um, so we helped them identify which assets were, were going to be moved. We helped them uh, interview and, and source a migration partner uh, to help them actually physically uh, do, do the move. And then we went through uh, their current inventory of data centers and uh, went out and looked at new potential data centers. And ended up being able to move into a site that they were currently leasing that was that was up for renewal um, by doing a long-term blend and extend uh, with the landlord, but but were able to achieve. Uh, they, they were pretty over market uh, with with the the provider that they were with, um, but they had a lot of growth because they they were going to consolidate, and so we were able to offer the landlord, uh, the owner of the building, uh, some growth and uh, with a really flexible terms. And um, it, the total savings to that client just on that that one consolidation, which encompassed about 15 of those 33 sites, uh, was about $23 million over um, over 10 years. And uh, versus staying in place and, and renewing as is and kind of status quo, you know, had they uh, been interested in doing, I think, something a little more a little more cumbersome, uh, there was more savings available to them as far as. Uh, having to move more sites and, and building a bigger environment, but a big part of their strategy was not uh, consolidating everything to one site. So, so I think what'll ultimately happen is we'll do the same thing for a second site, and whether that'll go to a new building or in, in one of their existing sites, we, we'll we'll see. But that's a couple of years out from now. Um, but you know that that took that whole process. We and in the meantime, we renewed at a couple other colos. We actually put them in one new colo for one of their network sites. That whole process took about three and a half years uh, of of work with them, and and you know ultimately getting all of the stakeholders, IT, 
finance, real estate, or facilities and procurement on the same page, humming is really 90% of the battle. And I think when we're enabled to be that partner that, that can communicate through all those channels, um, we end up finding great success for our clients. And, and that's what makes us successful is, is when our clients are happy. So, you know, I think, I think that's one example. I'll, I'll share a short additional example. Um, we, uh, we, we recently uh, had an opportunity to um, help a client that was sourcing new co-location uh, in, a, in a northeastern market. And procurement had been running uh, the process, um, procurement. Uh, but I think part of their deal was they were running it very similar to how you would purchase software and they weren't thinking about it as a, as a real estate asset. And so um, ultimately it, it went to finance, which flagged facilities, which flagged us. And, and we read the contract that they were about to sign and noticed a number of issues, um, including the fact that there was no cap on the amount of uh, CapEx exposure that this client was going to have in this facility, uh, which for a, a Typical colo, you, you typically have no capex exposure, or very limited, and uh, so uh, we were able to come in and, and drive uh, a competitive process. They ended up with the same provider, uh, but drove down the price, really improved their their contract terms, because we were thinking about it as real estate and not just as um, an IT environment. And I think it's really important to consider both sides of that that coin. The IT piece is first and foremost because it's the purpose of the environment. But it's still a physical space. And uh, just like your house or your apartment or your office building, um, you want to think about you don't want to buy your house right in the middle of the 100-year floodplain. You definitely don't want to put your data center there. And I think a lot of people don't even run those, those tests uh, when they're looking at their sites. And you know, obviously, the colo providers do. And the good thing is if you have a good partner like Compass, um, you can trust that they've done their homework on where those sites sit. But a lot of legacy assets, uh, and even after like Sandy, FEMA updated all the maps in the Northeast. So half of the older data centers actually do sit in now 100-year floodplain. And, and just not going through that process properly, I think, can lead to uh, ultimately really critical mistakes. And so that's, that's part of, um, again, I think where we add value is just helping clients think through things that, that maybe they wouldn't think through on the IT side, um, because it's just not they're not doing colo transactions every single day and, and we are. So I don't know if that's, if that's kind of what you were looking for, but no, that, that was perfect. Haynes. I, I think it's, it's an, a great example, both the stories you tell of, you know, we spend time with our customers and say, Hey, we're in the business of, of developing land and developing and building data centers every day. It's what we do every day. And, and not that our customers aren't brilliant people with great businesses, but it's generally not what they do every day. And I think that's exactly what we see out of you guys, our friends at Seabury. You're in the business of evaluating and understanding what's the best way to merge your real estate and your, and your data center needs your technology needs together and make good decisions. And we just think the world of the, the advice uh, you guys give, not only the team here, you and Brant and Chris and now Mikey, but uh, just CBRE in general, you guys are just as classy as it gets and as professional as it gets and as um, knowledgeable as it gets. And we think it's important that folks uh, engage with you to understand what they're doing because you guys do it every day and, and do a great job with it. 
Well, Haynes, man, I really, really appreciate you joining me. And, and, and you're, there's so much knowledge and so much experience. We might uh, ask you to come do it again because there's still more questions I'd love to ask you. But uh, from a podcast uh, duration, we're probably good. Uh, we're about 30 minutes in and, and super, super grateful to have you join us. And uh, again, thank you so much for the the uh, service you did at the beginning of your career uh, being a school teacher. I just think that speaks volumes about your character and, and uh, what kind of guy you are and why we love uh, doing business with you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, look forward to seeing you in the marketplace, buddy. Thank you, Raymond. I really appreciate the opportunity. And the only, only thing I'd add is uh, if you have not been to South Dallas to check out the new Compass uh, Powered Shell and, and the campus they're building down there, it is really cool. It's worth worth a uh, COVID-free trip to Texas next time you can get down here. Uh, worth checking out. Hey, we appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Okay. Appreciate it, Haynes. See ya. Be good. Bye now.